2016 presents Welcome everyone to episode 5 of I Dream of Cameras, a podcast about cameras and camera collecting brought to you by the gang at Sunny 16 Podcast. I am Jeff Greenstein. And I am Gabe Sachs. Welcome. We'd like to start by, I'm going to throw it to Gabe to talk a little bit, a little housekeeping news. We are very, very excited that our website is up and running. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, It's idreamofcameras.com. And there you will find cameras, of course. You will find (laughs) links to our show. You will also find merch. Uh, There are ways to get in touch with us, which is really Instagram. Um, And uh, we are very excited for you to check it out. We also have our Instagram uh, feed going right now, which is also I Dream of Cameras. And uh, and, uh, we love to hear from you. It is active. active. Things uh, are happening on it. Yes, things are happening. People are getting in touch with us, which is great. Uh, Gabe just posted a picture of his bag collection, which was alarming. I mean, to hear it described in a prior episode is one thing, but to actually see a sea of camera bags was, I don't know. I wondered if there was somebody trapped under the debris. There might be. No, I, (laughs) I will tell you this, that it's just, there's so many, and... You would think I would, before I would go purchase another one, I would go look in there and go, this is ridiculous. (laughs) But no, I actually go get another one because I feel like, oh, no, 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 this one's going to be the perfect one. No, 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 this one. And then it just, and then I see someone else with one and then it's crazy. And then you make me crazy with your special Swiss bag or whatever it is. It's the coolest thing, a bread bag. (laughs) And now I'm like, how do I get a bread bag? I need a bag like that. They are, bread bags are cheap though. I did see, I want to thank the gang at Sunny 16. There was talk in uh, their most recent episode of a, of a special bag episode with Aid and uh, Gabe talking about their bag fetishes. So that would be great. I will tell you, looking at that photo, though, I could not tell one bag from another. Yeah. I really could not. No. And yeah, it's, okay. all, it's all part right. of my issues. Excellent. I love Many. it. So one of the things I wanted to mention is it is a new year and I... Check your camera batteries, guys. If you have a lot of cameras, as we do, and you leave them on the shelf, as we do, I doubt you take the batteries out of the camera like they tell you to. And Never. I happen to look into my... No, of course you don't. And I happened to look into my Leica CL the other day, and I noticed some crystalline matter on the surface of the battery. It was time to replace it. So I went around, and I looked at all my batteries like a weirdo and discovered that it was time to replace a couple. By the way... The overall topic here, I should have said this at the outset, is fight us. This is an episode of Strong Opinions. And I have strong opinions about this ridiculously small matter, which is camera batteries. If you buy cameras that were built in the 60s and 70s, which I do, you will inevitably bump up against the 625 battery problem. And all you have to do is Google 625 battery, and you will see a million opinions about what the right solution to this problem is. All of those people are wrong. I am going to tell you, Gabe, do you care about this at all? I do, I I do, I do, because I have have, uh, thoughts. Go on, go on. Okay. They discontinued the 625 because it was mercury-based, and we don't want to pollute the earth that we live upon, and so they got rid of it, which is fine. But there are many substitutes, and each is somewhat unsatisfactory in its own way. You got... The 625A, which is the alkaline version, it's a slightly different voltage. Some people say, don't worry about it. Just adjust a stop. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to adjust a stop either way. Right. Some people say, get the MR9 adapter. 
which is an adapter that adapts, I think it's a 386 or something, yes. to work in a 625 spot. The adapter costs about 20 bucks. No, no, 20 bucks, no. <laughs> I'm not spending 20 bucks for every camera I own that uses a 625 battery, no. Some people say, use the wine cell, W-E-I-N. Right. Have you ever that I've heard. That I've heard. And also, good. there's also a battery where you put a thingy in between. That's sort of... what I'm going to get to. Okay, the good. Thingy. Okay, good. <clears throat> the thingy. The thingy. Okay. So the wine cells are good. They are zinc air based, okay, which means environmentally friendly. They have a short life. Zinc air batteries only last about six months, but they tend to be inexpensive. Problem is, the wine cell is a housing for a zinc air battery. And Got so it. a wine cell is about eight bucks. Not terrible. But for a battery you're going to throw away every six months, not great. Got it. I am going to tell you the solution, and you have alluded to it. It's the thingy. Yeah, I, don't, I, I just have heard of the thingy. I have never used the thingy. Okay, here's how it goes. There is a battery, which is a 675 hearing aid battery. Are you familiar with these? No. But no, I'm, you're I'm not. Very because excited you don't have about a hear- this. Okay. The 675 hearing aid battery is a zinc air battery, environmentally friendly with a discharge curve that is pretty much the same as the old 625. Isn't that great? Are you excited? I, I am excited, is but your you're getting into pounding. math, which is not exciting for me. So. Okay, so it would be great if the 675 were the same size as a 625, because then we would just drop them in our cameras and it would be perfect. Totally. But it's not. Enter the thingy. Ah, what is the okay. thingy? The thingy is so simple. This thingy is simply a metal or rubber or brass ring that surrounds the 675 battery, rendering it the same size as a 625. So it's I'm just the size. That's the issue. It's just it. Okay. It's just the okay. size. Got it. This is what one looks like. Okay. What is that thing? It's just a ring. It's just a ring. Okay. Okay. I bought this from a guy. I don't remember his name, which is terrible, <laughs> but... It's called the Paul BG adapter. The name Paul, P-A-U-L, B-G yeah. adapter. This thing is about five bucks. Right. Okay? Five bucks, so you can get a bunch of them, which I have. The 675 battery. Gabe, do you know what a 675 hearing aid battery costs? No. 25 cents. Okay, that's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> that this is what you do, gang. Yeah. Forget all the other solutions. Get a Paul BG adapter, or listen, if you're technically inclined, which I I tend to be, but I didn't want to do the homework, you can probably find a washer or a metal ring or something that is the same size as the Paul BG adapter. I have even heard people use rubber rings instead of metal rings. I wouldn't do that. 25 cents. And yeah, so you have to change it every six months. But the batteries come literally in packs of 60. And I take it you can get them anywhere almost, right? Anywhere. You can get them at your drugstore. They're so cheap. They're so perfect. That is the way to go, guys. Ignore every... Fight me on this. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you have an opinion? I tend to leave... Now I know what you're saying because I I now, later on, I'm going to check my batteries in my cameras, which I'm sure are all crystallized and... (laughs) And gruddy yeah. like that is, but yeah, that's great. It's the perfect solution, and I don't know why it took me so long to alight upon it, but it is a new year, gang. Check your batteries. Nice, okay. nicely done. Yes. All right. The second thing we would have, we wanted to talk about today, and on the topic of fight us, wrongly valued cameras, the cameras that are hysterically overvalued, and the ones that are hysterically 
undervalued Gabe Sachs reaction. You know, I will I will tell you this. When I go to a camera show, uh, I will see the best deals on the Miranda. The Miranda. Looks like a nice camera. I'm the sure Miranda. they didn't intend on making a camera that people wouldn't be interested in years later. Yeah. I'm sure they made some nice lenses, but I again look at that and they're they're very inexpensive so then my mind goes well what's wrong with them yeah and same with, with the um uh it was probably my second camera the pentax me uh Great. which i used and, and really like that and i know that uh pentax sort of gets except for mike gutterman on negative positives yeah he loves them and uh i love him for that and but it's people sort of, love the K1000. And the they, K1000, the, yeah. The pe- but the K1000 are now on eBay, a K1000 with a lens is at least $150. Oh, wow. At least. Yeah. Because that is a camera that when you go to a podcast and you're looking to hear what is a good starter camera, or you go online and you Google, my, my hipster kid wants a 35 millimeter camera. They say the K1000, the ME, the ME Super is smaller, lighter, and they're so damn cheap. Yep. You can get an ME Super for $25 with right. a lens. They're amazing. The same thing, by the way, with uh, Canon. The Canon AE-1, hysterically overvalued. Yep. Why? They're perfectly nice, but it's a plastic bodied camera made to right. look like metal. And whereas my beloved Canon EF, which I'm going to talk about a little later, right. is also a shutter priority automatic camera with a much richer feature set, but everyone gravitates to the AE-1. That's the camera when I see the hipster kids at yeah, the it's uh, photo walks. Yep. It's always an AE-1 or a K-1000. What else is? What else do you think? Overvalued, undervalued? But also the, you know, here, here's another one. So um, the Leica R4S. Oh, all the R's. Cheap, right? cheap, cheap to get into those. It's like yeah. R3. People are, you know, really basically giving them away. And I think it's a great... I had an R4. You, that's, that was your inroad, right? Yeah, that Wasn't was my that? the way I got in. And I, um, I loved it. I love how it sounds. I loved how it worked. But there were eventual mechanical problems, which, which happened on a lot of them. But I think it's a perfectly good camera and definitely a way to get into Leica lenses. Yeah, I don't know anything about Leica SLRs. Are, are they terribly underrated? They well, to me, I I really enjoy them, and I think the one that I enjoy the most uh, is the R six point two. It oh, is wow. a great okay. camera. I'm happy with it. I just, you know, I I you know, but you know, you're in the world of you look around at Leica and you look at Leica boards and things like that. And the R's are just absolutely, it's like, Oh, you use an R. Hmm. You know, are the, are the lenses inexpensive or crazy expensive? They're less expensive than their M counterparts. Yeah. Great. And so you can get into them, uh, uh, cheaper. A lot of times people are using those R lenses on their Sony A7s or digital cameras with adapters. Yeah. And so those lenses are sort of going up um, a little more than they used to be. But, you know, like a 50 and I, I think they're great lenses. Yeah. And, and even the, um, you know, the old Leica Flex. I think it's a beautiful camera. They're lovely to look at. And you get in there and it makes a big ka-chunk sound, which I love. Yeah. And I think it's one of those cameras that um, is definitely underrated. Yeah. Uh, and people should check out, you know, in the same world. But yeah, those 
Mirandas and things like that, they're, you know, especially people wanting to get into, you know, film photography. It's like such a great buy and you can get it a is. whole the, setup. Yeah. The Konica Auto Reflex T3 is a fantastic. Konica's in general, wildly underrated. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, and the Konica glass is quite good. Minolta's, the SRT 101, that's a camera no one wants. Yeah. I mean, that is like the yard sale camera. You see them for five, ten dollars SRTs are great. They're every bit the equal to me of like the Canon FTB as like a midline, good glass, easy to use, match needle SLR. They're terrific. Yeah. And I think that a lot of um, especially younger people wanting to get into film photography, they'll go to a garage sale and they will pick up one of those cameras and it doesn't work in their heads because yeah. they just pick it right. up and especially they may need a battery. It's such so simple to get those fixed and get them you know, working. Mechanical, that's another thing. But, uh, you know, a battery situation, you can be up and running so quickly. Right. And, you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, It's interesting that to me, while Mamiya medium format are among, like, those, that's like the top of the top. Everyone wants the RB67, right? And yet you see the Mamiya C-Core SLRs and they're trash. Trash. Nobody wants them. No one wants them. And no one, you know what? camera really people don't want it. it's the um roly oh yeah the sl35 i had that that is a great it's one of the most gorgeous 35 millimeter slrs people the SL35. hate them people just Why? don't i don't know yeah there's, look there's a lot of camera snobbery in our world i'm yeah. just saying but see roly it's so odd because it's it's almost like the same situation you're talking about with the leica slrs where right. for some reason the slrs are underrated even though the medium format cameras are highly rated right but roly sl35s that is i had one they're gorgeous to me like they have that perfect like pentax spotmatic very clean design right beautiful logo you know i care about that yeah sort of thing. i know um but to me there is one slr that is under so wildly underrated, <laughs> inexplicably so. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's the Olympus OM1. Yes. What? What? Have you ever used an OM1? I have not used an OM1, but um, friends have. Uh, I recently was with a friend of mine who got one at the camera show about, you know, probably a year ago and started using it and loves it. Like, absolutely it- loves it. Said, you've got to check these out. I have not used any other cameras in the OM series, but the OM-1, to, not only it's a revolutionary design, it right. actually changed 35 millimeter camera design. There would be no Nikon FM if it weren't for the Olympus OM-1. There would be no Pentax ME. You know, it was the first kind of full featured system camera, compact 35 millimeter SLR. Right. And it has one quirk, which is shutter speed on the barrel, Okay, rather than shutter speed on top. Right. The only quirk. But the glass, that Zuiko glass is amazing. It handles beautifully. It's got a viewfinder that's like a 97 or 98% viewfinder. Beautiful, luminous viewfinder. And it's light and cheap. Oh my God, they're so cheap. And they're beautiful to look at. 25, 35 bucks, you can have a great one. Easy. I just always wonder if it was a huge marketing plan from these big companies like, you know, Leica and Hasselblad and, uh, you know, all these companies that went out there and said, oh, just, you know, say those cameras are bad. You know, you always wonder <laughs> if they, they hired like a thousand people that went to all the camera shows and go, oh, don't get that one. 
Yeah, it's odd. Yeah, it's, it's really, really odd. It's odd. I don't understand why some of the... I kind of... You know, the cameras that people... You know, the the Canon T-series, you know, the right. plastic-bodied. I kind of understand... The T90 is a very good camera. It has a couple of mechanical issues, right. but the T90 is pretty terrific. I, I understand why people are... Or the Nikon, like, N-series with the plastic body. Right, right, right. I understand why people don't love them as much, even though, ironically, these are the most technologically advanced 35-millimeter SLRs ever built. Yeah. And yet... The Minolta Maxim, we just leave them on the table. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't even look at them because they don't have that, like, lovely, like, old-fashioned chrome or black paint right. kind of right, camera right, feel right. to them. But uh, the OM-1, I actually just bought my brother an OM-1 as a gift. I love Because to that. me, they are the, they're just immaculate. I just love them. All right. That's our fight me number one. Fight me number two. This is one I'm interested to get your opinion on. I don't mm-hmm. really know how you feel about this. Autofocus, point and shoot. Is it real photography? Okay, so so let me start with point and shoot. I think point and shoot is real photography. I love them. I love carrying them around. They're easy, you know, especially, you know, at night with flash, built-in flash. I, I love the images I get off them. I really, really, really like them. And the um, T4, the Yashica T4 is your Yashica T4 is the one that I love carrying around. I want to love the Contax T2, but I just haven't had good luck, which I'm sure is user error, which it mostly is. <laughs> um, but I will. I need. I need to try that again. But the Yashica T4 uh, is the one that I I carry on the most. As far as autofocus, I I love autofocus if it's the right kind of thing so, so all right go, words, i don't know anything about this so g- g- <laughs> elaborate i really don't so, I have one autofocus camera so if it's like uh you know a newer you know film nikon camera or anything like that i gotta tell you i like the beep you know i will focus on the eyes and it'll go boop and it's like telling me okay you could shoot you're gonna be absolutely fine yeah. and uh i like that reassurance from <laughs> from anyone yeah. Um, and especially a camera. A camera helps also. It gives me a gives, give me a little beep. I feel like it's okay. But yeah, so the um, I enjoy that assist. You know, yeah. when I when I'm shooting with a uh, newer film camera, I you know like it. I mean, look, it's some of those old cameras are harder to focus, and I love the Roloflex. I would say that sometimes it's a little hard to focus from a distance, and I am always yeah. looking for the eyes. So I'm especially with portraiture. So that occasionally is an issue. So yes, I do like auto, you know, focus, and I do uh, like the fact that they are coming out. Not coming out. They've had them out for a long time. Is the uh, autofocus adapters for manual? focus lenses so you've got your Leica lenses Leica lens put it on there so who I've talked to a bunch but Brandon Stedman who's great photographer and he was telling me about this the other night and he loves it so he will put uh Summicron on his Sony a7 with this gadget and uh it will be autofocus I've never used one of these. Have it's, you used one? I have never used one. I'm fascinated with them. They're expensive to get the adapter. And they also work on... I have the... When uh, I bought uh, old, old A7, the very first A7 
to try it out because people were going so crazy about these A7Rs and A7 blah, blah, blah. And so I got it and used it with an adapter and loved it. Now, wow. I have not used the autofocus one. They're like $3.99. I'm sure there's some more reasonable, but um, I hear they're amazing. As hmm. crazy as that is. But I look, I enjoy manual focus, but sometimes I am taking too long to focus. <laughs> now, because a lot of your work is portraiture, yep. do you find, I assume you bring a kit with you when you're going on a portrait session, and that, that might include a manual focus camera and an autofocus camera, right? Am I right yeah, about so that? I mainly use the manual focus. Are there situations where you find that the autofocus like alters your shooting style for the better in working with certain types of subjects? Or is, is it, in, I mean... No, that makes sense. I, I think no. yeah, it does make sense. I mean, there. I did this uh, magazine uh, thing last year where I brought both, and I just felt it gives it sort of a different look. The SLR, the A7 is going to be a different look than the Leica is going to give me a look. So I yeah. sort of, I like to have those choices, and you know, I think that's okay. that was the main difference. And the autofocus, look, it helps me because I know it's in focus, or at least. I believe in my world that it's in focus when I hear yeah. that beep. So, uh, you know, that's that's where I sort of... I've had terrible luck with autofocus cameras. What do you use? Just or terrible. What, you well, use as I said, I have very few now. I had a, let's see, I had a Canon A2E, which is also the EOS 5, right. basically, right? I had a Minolta Maxim something thousand. And I had most recently a Nikon 35Ti. Um, which I've talked about a little bit, which was my most crushing disappointment in probably all of right. my camera using life. <laughs> it always grabs the wrong thing. And maybe it's because I don't know how to use it properly. You know, the Canon had this eye tracking focus where it would literally read your cornea wow. to like tell which direction you were looking and focus accordingly. It never worked for me. And I wow. always find I would get the pictures back and it would focus on the fire hydrant in the foreground as opposed to the car in the background, or it would focus on the ear rather than the tip of the nose. And it is because probably yeah. because I am an idiot. Well, no, but, I, I think I, I think you're, you're tapping on something because, because uh, the G2, the Contax G2, I, I felt the same way when I had it. And it was probably user error. I just was not, I would focus on something that I would think I'd be focused on and then come back and the eyes are out of focus, but the ear is perfect. Yeah. And I have found, I, again, I don't, I am just getting to know my new digital camera, but I know that, you know, obviously that's an autofocus camera uh, by nature and you can tap the display to tell it what part of the subject you want to focus on. Just give me wow. a barrel, but let me do it. My, if I have to do a physical <laughs> action, just give me a barrel that I can focus with. I would rather do that right. than look at a display and try and tap the exact spot <laughs> that I want in focus. Now, this is not to dismiss, just to circle back to the fightus of it all. This is not to dismiss people who work with point and shoot or autofocus cameras. I just find that for me, it makes me a slacker. It makes me like a lazy photographer. And hmm. I guess I maybe I'm shooting too fast. Maybe I'm not paying enough attention. Maybe I'm getting off on how quickly I can compose and shoot, and that isn't good for me. But it just has never harmonized with my shooting style. Autofocus. Right. Now, right, I right, do right. have a couple of cameras that are effectively point-and-shoot cameras. You have heard me rhapsodize about my yes. half-frame lifestyle. Oh, <laughs> half-frame. <laughs> 
half frames. Yes. Why get, look, when you go to a store, okay. Yes. Do you want to buy half a cookie or would you like the whole cookie? It depends how good the cookies are. I mean, would, I would you rather have you one? always want a full frame cookie. Do you want That's a large bad cookie or would you like two smaller cookies that are delicious? Also, think about this. How often yeah. do you want to have to go to the cookie shop to get the cookies? Because that's part that's, of it, too. Okay, that, that's a good point. I get it. Right? I understand Every, it. That. But still half frame. Yes. Yes. Though I've, uh, I don't know. I shoot with, you know, we've talked about this. We've talked about this. Yes. I yes, love my yes. half frame cameras. The Penny is effectively a point and shoot. You can focus it, but. Basically, I set it on the, like, five feet to infinity setting, and I just fire away. I've talked lovingly about my Olympus XA4. Interestingly, when I first entered the world of Olympus XA, I got the original XA because I'm like, I want a rangefinder. I'm not, uh, give me the one with the rangefinder. Don't give me the point and shoot. I wouldn't want that. And the XA and I did not get along, and I sold it, and I bought the XA4, which has the wider lens, which is also a macro lens. I shot with it more in calendar year 2020 than any other camera. It is my favorite. Stick it in your pocket. I think that's the key. Yeah. It's like, what's the camera you enjoy? It's like, if you enjoy a Miranda camera or a K1, you know, whatever it is, like get, pick up that camera and use it. I mean, that's the main thing. It's, you know. Handheld metering. Do you bring along a handheld meter when you're doing... Okay, so so uh, this is gonna, you know, this is gonna uh, reveal more of my issues. You've you've heard of my camera bag problem. Yes. Then I had a meter problem, but it wasn't a big one. It was like a, you know, I had a few meters, uh, but I was sure that I would see a YouTube video, and that person was metering better than I was. I don't know the person. I've never talked to him, but he looked like he was so confident in his metering. And I saw this. Uh, oh, wait, I assume you're on. using cameras that have built-in meters. You're just trying to check your work. Yes. Okay. Some do and some don't. Some like when I'm using others, I am not confident with the Sunny 16. As crazy as okay. that is, that we're yes. a Sunny 16 show. Yes. Um, and so I will use a handheld meter, and I will check things. And I've also I saw this um, uh, a couple women who have these uh, YouTube shows and and they were using these meters and she was so confident and I was like oh my gosh I need mm. that type of meter because she's talking yeah. about that meter and how good it is but yes I often check my work it is something I do now that I never did when I didn't have a meter okay <laughs> so I never even thought about it I, I I sort of would have the reading in the camera and I would be confident with that and be fine but now I'm like oh well maybe if I maybe it'll be even better you know better exposure if I just meter it with a handheld meter incident or reflective reflective oh now I'm Mm -hmm. surprised because to me the reason I'm a dope about this I barely use a handheld meter okay Mm -hmm. I have one from my early days as a photographer and when I say early I mean like when I was 10 and I was shooting oh with gosh. cameras that did not have exposure meters. So I got this right. inexpensive Vivitar handheld reflective meter. It probably costs $5. And right. reflective made perfect sense to me. But then I learned, oh, if you're doing portraiture or whatever, you need to see the light that's actually falling on your subject as opposed to what you're seeing from a distance. So I'm surprised to hear that reflective is where it's at for you. I, I will do, but as I told you, I didn't finish my <laughs> neuroses about meters. 
I use both. Oh. So there's like, there is the problem. Okay. So, but I, um, I love them. I just, there's, there's, it just makes things easier, especially with when you have the Roloflex out and stuff like that. I need, but there is a dependency that I wish I didn't have. Like, I really wish that I would just put the meters away and just go shoot the camera. And if it's a little off, it's a little off, but then I'll eventually get better at it. This is something I should have done at 13 years old. And I just, I want to learn and be better at just judging light. Oh, okay. Let me ask you though, I want to just delve a little into this, even though it's slightly off topic, because I see Mm -hmm. this beautiful portraiture work that you do with the models that you Mm -hmm. work with and the friends whose pictures you take and so forth. And I'm very interested in the flow of a session like that. And it seems to me that if you're having to reach for a different camera or a different piece of equipment, does it slow you down or does it provide? No. No, no but, the, but the advantage is they're friends and I know them. Okay. And I'm serious. Yeah. That, that's really the advantage. If I did not know them, I'd be panicked. I'd be sort of like, okay, I need to get this and this. And, you know, I, is, are they still happy? Is it still fine? You know, that kind of thing. But I really, it's it's been great and they've seen the pictures and they're happy with the pictures so i really just bring a few cameras with me and a meter and that's yeah there you go okay interesting okay see this is a portraiture i mean i did my girlfriend's headshot recently but it tends to be extremely informal when i do it and right it's interesting as much time as i spend directing the prospect of actually doing a portrait session with someone and trying to elicit different sorts of looks that sounds horrifying to me that's no no it's really it's really and and they also carry a lot of it because they're they have a bunch of looks they want to wear and and feels they want so it's easy so i let them be free to do that and and i'm happy to just Shooting, but do so you give direction like emotionally yeah. like to no or... very simple very simple it's like the um the flow is beforehand we will go what kind of feels and we'll sort of think about shots that we like and then go through some stuff and go what do you think of this what do you think of this and like maybe make a little mood board and sort of a feel not the exact shots just sort of what the feel of the shoot would be and uh we do that and then go out there and it's pretty automatic it's really simple and things just happen so it's uh and you have places that you like i imagine like certain yes i do have places that i like to shoot so yeah uh you know griffith park and there's some places in malibu and you know the the one issue which we'll get into this in another episode is you know everyone's conscious of photo shoots so they all the city wants to come to you and ask you for a permit really and this yeah oh yeah yeah i i've been approached many many times where i look around and there's not one other person in the entire park and the ranger laughs with me like he goes i know i know i go there's no one here and he goes yeah but you're supposed to have a permit to shoot anything here and it used to be just a tripod if you brought that's a tripod, what i was gonna that say you need a permit wow but if you don't have a tripod they're now asking so there's parts of malibu and there's uh parts of hollywood and stuff like that people will come up to you and how do they know it's not for, just you and your friends you example i was on the pier uh santa monica pier with just friends and i was just shooting and they came up to me and go is this for something because we need you to sign a release. So you had to sign oh this little... Oh, my God. It's it's That crazy. doesn't happen they to me probably because I look like more of an idiot than you. 
I think you probably look like you know what you're doing or maybe. <laughs> no, definitely not. But it's, a, it's so funny because, you know, on shoots, as you know, I, I look at them going, oh, my gosh, you know, I shot the background of the Santa Monica Pier in the pilot of 90210. And now you're asking me for a permit. <laughs> like, it's just, you're just going, I don't like I had trucks and giant things. And now it's just me and a camera. Wow. <laughs> Can you just let me shoot? Gosh. And they don't. They do. They really don't want you shooting. I've never encountered that. That sounds yeah, it's truly crazy. Off, but I would. I want. I wonder if that's an LA specific problem. Like if yes. you were in Tulsa, it's, it's you probably in wouldn't LA. run into that. Right. I didn't get that in Albuquerque. Yeah, it was fine to shoot anywhere. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that sidebar. That was very, very interesting. Go. Okay. Let's talk about uh, toy cameras. Yes. Yes. Opinion. Let's talk about toy cameras. Go for it. So my opinion of toy cameras is I'm very impressed with people can get out of them. So I am talking about the Diana F. Yeah. And some cameras that are just like you just hear all these things about these cameras and these Lomo and blah, blah, blah. And then you get them and you're going, I'm holding a toy camera. Like this is this can't be a real camera. Like I can't. This There's no way I'm going to get anything good out of it. So I got. Uh, I was given actually the Diana F and I shot with it and I was like, okay, I'm not very good at this. I, I mean, it's a definite, there's a look people get out of them and the plastic lenses and all that stuff. But I just, it's not my thing. I'm afraid it's not my thing either. I just think, you know, I had a Lomo LCA and it was kind of important to the renaissance of interest in photography that I had 20 years ago that sort of took me on this journey. A friend gave me an LCA and I did not know about Lomography or that whole ethos and that whole like, don't think, just shoot and, you know, don't right. even put your eye up to the viewfinder. And so I tried it and I got some interesting results. But I found that over time I would be like, this would be so much better if it were sharp. <laughs> I just was like, oh, I wish. That, 100%. You know, like yeah. I, I would be, and I found myself working the lever on the side of the lens going, am right. I screwing up by not focusing it properly? But the fact is you can't really focus an LCA. Like if no. you're in blazing sunlight, you might be fine because it'll stop down a little bit. But I kept like right. wishing for more control and that's what led me back. That look no, that you're talking it. about, that crunchy, plastic lens, defocused, light leaky look. I like when I see it, particularly in the hands of people who know how to do it. But I just, I think I'm just too perfectionistic and I'm not as, you know, part of the Lomo thing is allowing randomness and chaos into your art. And I am the opposite right. of I that. Mean, I, I, I totally get that. And I think that, you know, somewhat, some people get this amazing intentional blur, which I am not one of them, but I see those shots and I go, how did they do it? Frank Ockenfels. Yeah. Like he does in-camera blur and all the stuff that's just amazing work. And that stuff I wish I could do. But I, I feel like when I'm... And, and there are people that are amazing at it and working with those cameras. But I'm definitely not one of them. And I feel that I, I look at it and I look at the pictures and I go... I, maybe I could have drawn this. Yes. Like why don't, yes. You just, why don't you use a pen and paper yeah. and do that instead of using a toy camera? Yeah. Why do you need to use a toy camera when you can get one, you know, and some of them are expensive. Yes. Some of them people are, you know, they're collector's oh. items and people are using them. And There was a time a little while ago where I was like, you know what, maybe the Lomo LC120, whatever that is. You know, they make a, they make a Lomo, yeah. what is it? It's basically it's a 120 version of the LCA. I thought right. that might be fun. It's a $360 camera. 
It's insane. It's insane. And also, believe me, the 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 hipster artsy people that make beautiful imagery out of this thing, and I come to this thing with whatever a M6. Yeah. They look at me like I'm a big moron. <laughs> they just look at me. They look down on me like loser. Wow. Yeah. Like I. I mean, seriously, they look at you like. What, what are you going to shoot with that? <laughs> and they're just, you know, flick, click, 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 click. They're just holding it in front of them, holding it above yeah. their heads. They're doing... I don't know. It's yeah, a, and they, it's a they know what they're doing. Again, it's a style thing. And I think it's, again, it's about, it's, it's also about your, your relationship to your work and, and how you elicit certain effects. I There is a great book, um, Lomography, the Diana F. book, which is beautiful. It's a really, really great book. And it has all, you know, a ton of art pieces and all about the Diana and it's yeah when I see really, books really of cool book. I have a couple of them books of Diana photography Lomo photography I yep. admire it so much and I think it's so beautiful particularly when like the whole idea of like the Lomo wall where you have like many oh, images so cool it just looks so amazing cool. and I think god that would yep. be and then I kind of look at it shot by shot and I think I would throw that one away I would throw that one away I'm not smart enough oh, yeah. to know right 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 like that there's a particular character to that defocused or blurred or whatever or light. Yeah, and it's like and we've come, it's weird because if you look at old classic photography and you're just looking at it from an eye that it should be crisp and clear, it's not. Yeah. Like beautiful, iconic images are not perfectly focused. And so I don't know where this comes from, where it's like, I'm the same way. I'm like, the eyes have to be sharp or I'm not going to use that shot. Yeah, you know, I, I this kind of leads me to our next topic that I want to talk about, which is the state of uh, instant photography. I love Polaroid. To me, like when I was yeah. growing up, Polaroid was like the apple of its day. It was the most exciting company. My dad was a stockbroker. And when I went to his office, there were two ticker symbols I would check. One was Berkey Photo, which was BKY. They were the importers of the Minox. And the other right. was PRD, which was Polaroid. Because these were the companies whose products I was most passionate about. And one of my first cameras was a Polaroid square shooter, which used the Type 88 square peel apart film. And I loved it. Wow. And it used flash cubes and oh i just thought polaroid was the most miraculous thing right and when polaroid disappeared i went through all the heartbreak that all of us went through and when impossible project began to gradually reboot polaroid and then became polaroid itself it was so exciting but they still don't have it right no i will tell you when impossible project came up i was so excited and i said and again there are people that shoot impossible films. Claire Marie Bailey. Un Unreal. Yeah, brilliant So stuff. great. I'm big fans yeah. of theirs and on and on. But when I first got those pieces, I was like, and this is nothing like the Polaroid I remember. Yeah. And also with the Polaroid 195, you know, thinking of the imagery that I got with that, it just, there was nothing that resembled it. Yeah. So I was really confused and bought a couple more rolls and I still didn't like it. I went into a rage. Uh, at a certain point last year when it was very exciting when Polaroid Originals became Polaroid. I thought that was just, was a, what a wonderful closing of the circle. And then they right. announced their new product line, which was a Stranger Things instant camera and right. Stranger Things branded film. And I'm like, guys, can you put your R&D budget toward making it so that I don't have to hide the new print in my pocket so that the sunlight doesn't streak <laughs> it? Could you maybe move your dollars? Little to, things. Little things like right. that. Because 
I have so many beautiful pictures I've taken where there is a large aqua line right down the middle of the <laughs> I know subject's this line. Yep. forehead, and I can't yep. tolerate it. It just fills me with rage. It's really frustrating, but I totally understand that. And yet, yep. I love... I've never shot Instax. I understand right. that they're good cameras, but... I love the old Polaroid hardware so much. The SX70 to me is one of the great, most miraculous so great. designs of the 20th I century. I inherited my dad's. I love yes. it. Yes. I mean, I have a couple of them. I just adore them. I had one of, I found one at a thrift store for 20 bucks and had it restored by Brooklyn Film Camera, and it is just perfect. But the film That's is so not great. perfect. And so. Right. I've stockpiled some of the like impossible duotone, which I love. The like yellow and black. Right. Never and, used it. I'd oh, love to use so it. What's that cool. like? They, they, do, they, have a, they came out with a couple of duotone. They did a blue and black, a pink and black, and a yellow and black that they did in conjunction with Jack White and Third Man Records that they oh, actually have just reissued. And uh-huh. duotone is awesome. And that's something that Polaroid themselves never had. They had black and white or color. So right. the duotone stuff looks amazing. So I'm like, don't give me a Stranger Things branded camera or Stranger <laughs> Things film stock. I want like a better image. And yep. it's flawed. And yet the Instax st- cameras are kind of plasticky. And the image isn't the same size as an SX-70. And so I just, I love Polaroid, but it breaks my heart over and over again. Yeah, no, I, I understand it. And I wish they would just, look, there's so many of those Polaroid cameras that you can pick up at a garage sale for almost nothing. Yeah. And you just wish that everyone had the film for those cameras because I think it would get, especially kids, more involved in photography as well. Yeah, you bet. You could take pictures and hand them to your friend. And yeah. And I was so excited when the the gang from Impossible made a run at rebooting Peel Apart film. Did you follow this at all? Right. One instant? No. So I got very excited because, of course, you and I love our 195s. Um, right. I have a fridge full of FP100C and 3000B that I'm afraid to use, um, <laughs> even though those films are just so incredibly good. Yeah, I use them very, very slowly. So when I heard that they were going to, one instant was going to make a new version of Peel Apart film, I got very excited. Did you ever, Definitely. you never used it, huh? Never. Absolute disaster. Oh, no. Just, first of all, okay, 10 shots in a pack of Polar, right? right? One shot in a pack of one instant. So it is almost like using a large format camera. You have to reload for every shot. And they, so they weren't able to work out for some reason the origami geometry of the interior of a Polaroid film pack to put 10 shots in it. Why? Why? I can't figure that out. That just seems like simple paper folding to me. Yep. Also, (laughs) they didn't manufacture their own film from what i understand they just cut down larger pieces of polaroid film like the 20 by 24 sized they just cut it down and then put tabs on it and then sold it for 30 bucks a pop frustrating very frustrating and the results i got nine shots that i had one usable frame just one oh heartbreaking worst Heartbreaking. Yeah, and now I horrible. see, yesterday I see Brooklyn Film Camera having a sale of FP100C, 70 bucks a pack. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I remember getting it. I, I still have some, but it was seven bucks yeah. a pack. And even when I heard they were discontinued, I was like, oh, I better buy a couple of dozen. And I did at seven or eight bucks a pack. And I'm very glad I did because there's yeah. no way. It's insane. I did try. Yeah. Have you ever tried Polaroid chocolate? What? Do you know what that is? 
Okay. No. In the waning days of Polaroid, they made a couple of very limited run uh, exotic films. And one of them was called Chocolate, right. which you should look this up, Gabe, because it's right up your alley. It replicates the look of old tintypes. Oh, so it's love a that. so it's a monochrome look, but with that sepia tinge to yeah. it and really dense black. The blacks are very dense, oh, so gotta, it looks like a tintype. Yeah. Right, right, right. Polaroid chocolate is unbelievable. And I bought a couple of books. There's a guy named uh Brian Bruno. Right. He has the Instagram handle Bruno Roids, and he published a book of his Polaroid chocolate uh, nude photography. And it is breathtaking. It just, it's wow. so beautiful. And uh, so I was like, I got to try Polaroid chocolate. I got to get my hands on some Polaroid chocolate. Now, this is film that has not been made for 20 years. So anytime you buy a pack, and on eBay they were going for 50 bucks a pack, you are just rolling the dice. Yeah, you don't know. I think I bought four packs of this. I had one usable pack, and I got like three Really wonderful shots out of it. But I am just not prepared to make that commitment. It's just too much. No, it's crazy. It's but really, I, really Yeah, nuts. But I still have one pack in the fridge. The problem with that old peel apart is it dries out. Yep. And pe- you're right. And people are selling it, whether it's been right. refrigerated or not. Yeah, exactly. So it just you just take a you know, roll of dice. Um, expired film. Let's do a sidebar on yes. this. Do you shoot expired film? Yes. Do you buy it? Yes. Yes, and yes, and yes. Or I inherit it. People this just give it I to you. About. Tell me about that. Well, no, it's more It's more like this. So I love when I am trying out a camera or when I first got the Yashica T4, I put some expired film in it, see if it works. And I'm happy like that. So now, though, I love expired film and use it in any instant wow. point and shoot. I just, I love the look of it, especially with a bright flash. Um, I have a bunch of old, old expired color film I just use all the time. And and uh, I, I really love the look. What happened was the way I got all, most of this expired film was I bought a dark room uh, on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. And it was someone in San Diego. And I called him and he said that no one has called me. And I didn't think anyone was going to call me because I've been trying to sell this in larger forever. And it wasn't a lot of money. And so I said, I'm going to drive down to San Diego. I'm so fascinated. So I go down there and he opens the door and it's a f- like your dream dark room. Oh. He was going through a divorce. It was a tiny house, but the back house was the entire thing was a dark room. So it was your dream. It oh. had everything there, just giant, the sinks, the whole thing. And he looked at me and he said, you can have everything in here for the price. Like everything. Amazing. And I said, look, I can't fit everything in my car. I'll just take the stuff that I needed. And so as I'm leaving with the larger, which I loved, and a bunch of things that I, I really wanted, and, and uh, he gave me everything. And he goes, oh, by the way. And he opens his full-size fridge, and it's filled with film. Oh. And he just ta- he goes, do you want it? Wow. And I go, I love it. And he put it all into a thing, and, and uh, that's how and I got it. And you're still working your way through it. I'm still working my way through it. Any, I mean, and, and, you know, cheap, you know, it was a mixture of, you know, great film and great color expired film, as well as, um, some Arista that was great. It was a mix of black and white. And yeah, I have a lot of that. Do you do the one stop per decade rule? What do you, you just shoot it? No, I shoot it. And I'll tell you one thing. There's, 
Um, Emulsive has a great article on this, and which sort of says, "Go shoot it." Yeah, <laughs> like like just shoot it. And I I don't know if I would. I guess if I shot a roll and saw that it was a problem or underexposed, then I you know the next time I would figure it out. But I really have not had you know any issues with it. Yeah, you know, I usually order. Um, I love it. I haven't. I've just. I've either picked it up at garage sales, or I found all that film from that guy, or it's some of my stuff that I haven't had in the longest time. Um, and then there's times where you know there's people that will take you know a sixty year old roll of film and shoot it and see what happens. Yeah, like it's really cool. Like people have like these year you know old old film, and I know there's sites online where you could look up and you can see uh, the oldest film I shot was this, the That's oldest film I shot was that. Great. And I love that. And there's a couple of roles I have like that uh, from the 60s and 70s that I want to try. I have not shot a lot of expired film. Uh, obviously, there was a time... You're a snob. What's that? A little snobbery. No, I just... I, I'm strategic about it, I guess. You know, like, mm -hmm. my favorite film stock when I was learning to shoot was Panatomic X. I mean, this is probably, again, I learned darkroom work at summer camp when I was eight years old. My right. photography teacher shot Panatomic X, and we would develop it in Microdol X, which is a developer they don't make anymore, but it was designed for extremely fine-grained films. And so when I right. started doing my own processing, I shot Plus X. That was pretty pretty much as fast as I went. Tri-X was way right. too exotic for me. So I would shoot <laughs> Plus X, which was... Uh, ISO 125 and Panatomic X which was ISO 25 and I loved it like the super smooth like tones of Panatomic X and right. Ilford Pan F is along the same lines but it's a little different it's just a little different and so right. I buy up Panatomic X on eBay every now and again and so whether it's expired or well it's or all not. expired just, at this yeah. point because they haven't yeah no I mean but I mean like old or yeah. it's fine. And Anything, the, any age. the most recent Panatomic X is actually ISO 32 for some reason. And so oh, I wow. shoot it at like 25 or something. I don't take a full stop off it, but it looks so beautiful. And so I'm being very strategic, I guess. And What's the oldest you've shot? Do you know? I shot some old, gosh, I think the oldest would be a color stock. I, when I was first getting back into 110 before Lomo right. started making 110 film again, right. I would buy handfuls of 110 film at a camera show. And so I was shooting, you know, Coda Color 2 from 1960 or something. So not that old. Right. Not super, super old. What about you? Well, the the I, I I guess I shot a Tri-X from I think seventy five. Okay, wasn't too long ago, and it was great. That's great. I mean, yeah, a little foggy, but not not anything you couldn't correct. I mean, that was great. I've had problems at camera shows getting expired film that you're sure they put into an oven first yes. and then brought it to the camera show. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then sell it to you. But yeah. Okay. Do you bulk load at all? Have we talked about this? Yeah, we talked about it for a little bit, but it's it's one of those things that I, again, love the gadgets. Yeah. So I love the bulk loaders. I do have the bulk loaders, and I used to do it, and I used to do it with um, uh, Tri-X and um, HP5, I believe. And so I would get those 100-foot rolls and go through it and figure out what I saved and uh, then realized I'm doing this for hours and hours and yeah. <laughs> realized maybe I should spend that dollar extra. Yeah. 
And so it was sort it of is by a lot the time I'm done with it, when the time I'm done with it, it's great. Like when you want to save money, I think it's fantastic and you get good at it. And I used to do it a lot, but I haven't done it in years. I think I mentioned I have a bulk loader and I have 100 feet of fresh HP5 in the fridge and I'm afraid. So I haven't done it yet. <laughs> are you afraid of exposing I'm just it, afraid of doing fear, it wrong. Or are you just afraid I'm of just afraid it? of yeah. doing it wrong. So I, one of these days when I get when I run through all of the black and white stock I have because I'm shooting a lot of double X right now. I'm going to do right. it. But the reason I bring this up is that sometimes you can find these 100 foot rolls of really interesting expired films on yeah, eBay. No, I haven't seen that. I would love that. Like yeah, there was a couple of years ago they the FPP did a, a segment where they were talking about this copy film that Kodak made called Precision Line Film LPD4. Yep. You remember this? Yep, I've heard of this. Yep. And I became very excited about this because I had never shot like a slow speed copy film like that before. But the only ones I could find were 100 foot rolls on eBay. Wow. And so I wrote to Mike Rosso and I said, listen, here's <laughs> a link to an eBay auction for 100 foot rolls right. of Precision Line Film. Will you buy it and then put it in canisters and I'll buy like 10 of them. And so he did and I did. Um, oh, that's great. But now I have a bulk loader, so I might go hunting again. I got really cool results. It was super high contrast. Like there was nothing oh, wow. between the black and the white. So it was almost oh, wow. like op art, you know, that like wow. old Peter Max style. Totally, totally. Super cool. But like really ISO cool. 1 or ISO 0.5, right. <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, but really fun. But okay. Okay, for the final part of our Fight Us episode. We're going to talk about the cameras that we each irrationally and indefensibly love. The camera we love that no one else will like. Gabe Sachs. Well, I think that I, I'm not sure if it's no one else will like, but people, you know, tilt their heads okay, go and for raise it. their eyebrows and go, okay, if you like it. <laughs> so I would definitely say it's the Hasselblad 553 ELX the big chunky with the motor on the bottom oh. that people are like, why would anyone get, it's so heavy, it's ridiculous, the motor doesn't work that well, and blah, blah, blah. I love it, and I love the sound of it. It's almost, you know, you know how I love the Pentax 6, 7, yeah. that ka-chunk? You know, I like this, and it also has, I I recently, like I'm talking about a month ago, I got um, sort of the shutter extender, the, the shutter release. Yeah. Uh, and you attach it to the button and it just it's amazing it's so cool but i love that camera and people are like i don't know why don't you get a real Hasselblad that's sort of the uh so that's sort of the look it's the 500 uh like kind of form it's, factor it's, but with a motor drive on the, the bottom built-in motor drive there's no way to take it out wow. but it takes batteries and i think it's fantastic is it considered like it's, it's, undesirable by Hasselblad yes, aficionados very undesirable and i think i'm not sure if we spoke about this in the first episode but this is the one that i yeah we or whenever we spoke about it but I, this is the one that i went to bnh and the guy was holding in his hand oh okay and i said i always wanted to try that camera and on and on he goes well it's in great condition and i tried it and um and the key is it had a bright finder. So the bright finder is like $350, oh, okay. you know, so that little piece of glass yeah. that's on there, whatever it's made of, um, is so crystal clear, makes focusing a pleasure. You know, I love it. And so I said, well, how much is it? He clicked, click, click, it goes $200. And that was the end of it. I said, I'm going to go Amazing. home with this. And it was, you know, I sent it back because putting that in my luggage, I'm sure they would think yes. it was something horrible. <laughs> 
but it was uh but i love the camera but anytime i have used it people camera friends come to me and say why is that the, the look of is the shape of it like the camera that went to the moon is that what it looks like yeah, sort of. It's 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 the one behind oh, me yeah. over there, which I will bring very up. Very attractive. Let you see, but yeah, it's a it's a very cool camera, and I just love shooting with it. It's just you have to use a tripod. Yeah, I see. It's, it's quite cameras. a load. It looks like. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a big camera, but I really like it. But people don't uh, people don't smile at me when I'm using it. What about you? The Canon EF. Nobody likes. Right? The Canon EF. It's kind of an orphan in a way because it was part of, it's kind of the last of the Canon F1, Canon FTB, Canon TLB right, generation right, right. of cameras. But it was their attempt to do an, basically like a uh, shutter priority automatic version of the F1. Nobody right. wanted a shutter priority automatic version of the F1 for some reason. <laughs> and the camera was only on the market for a few years and then the AE-1 came along, which was a compact, less expensive shutter priority automatic with all sorts of technological innovations and the EF was basically put out to pasture. Right. This has some things that I've never seen on any other camera. First of all, it's gorgeous. It's black paint. This was my first SLR. So, you know, Gabe, I'm a sentimental guy. So I'm sure that enters into things. I, I got this when I was 15. It's in pretty good shape, huh? Wow. For a camera I've had it's for 40 in great years. Shape. 40 years? Pretty good yep. shape. It's it's definitely was in your house and not my house. <laughs> <laughs> I treasure this thing. It has, like the Leica CL, it has the shutter speed dial that protrudes all over the top. So you can work it with your finger without taking nice. your eye away from the lens. I love that. It's got shutter speed and aperture displayed in the viewfinder which is surprisingly rare for cameras of the 70s. And it was one of the mm -hmm. reasons I was drawn to it. Not even the AE-1 has that. Right. It's got uh, a feature that I have never seen on any other camera. And I actually was interacting with Dave Walker on Instagram about this because he right. thought his F1 had this, but it doesn't. Metered shutter speeds down to 30 seconds on the dial. Oh, wow. 30 seconds. Now, obviously, you're on a tripod when you do that. But there's no other camera from the era that has no. 30 on the dial. It's just, so for night shots, I love photographing fireworks with it or like shots of the moon or sky, right. you know, skylines, any sort of night shooting. It's just amazing. Shots of like PCH, you know, with the cars where the lights turn into streaks and stuff. It's amazing for that, but it's very heavy. It uses two of the old 625 batteries. Though oh, interestingly, wow. just to circle back to where we started, Unlike virtually any other camera of the era, it has a voltage regulator. So if you use the new 625A battery in it, it will automatically throttle down to the proper voltage. So you don't oh, even wow. have to use a special battery in this. This is the yep. one exception. I think it's beautiful. They are so damn cheap. Nobody wants I them. I saw them at the camera shows. I mean, it, it literally sits there in that, you know, where you see the rows of camera. It's the very last yeah, row. Yeah, and nobody right. buys them. You don't them. want to be in the last and, row on the right. I mean, it's even less desirable than the F1, which is inexplicably yep. undesirable. EFs are great. Yep. This would probably go in this condition, and mine's pretty beautiful, 25 bucks. Maybe. It's crazy. Maybe less. It's crazy. It is yep. the one that ends up in the cardboard box full of cameras at the end of the table. Right. Nobody exactly. cares about them. They're extremely durable, incredibly well-made. I love them. If you see an EF, get it. I mean, it's they're great. Just great. You could always tell the nicer cameras as in where the vendor is standing. <laughs> 
Uh, he is usually in the, you know, towards the left side where the nice cameras are. And then the others are sort of at the end. And if someone picked one up, he wouldn't be that Exactly. Upset. Exactly. Yeah. If you, you know, walked away with it, like, no big deal. You know, it just means yeah, less than he has to I take mean, home at the end of the day. Exactly. Yes. It's less than he has to take home. So the EF, I love it. I even, do you remember Shrinky Dinks or is that a generational difference? Yeah. Shrinky Dink and me, Shrinky Dink and you. Let me show some. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the cartoon. Oh, that's, yes, yeah. Shrinky Dink and me, Shrinky Dink and you. When I loved no, I this remember camera so much that when I was 15, I made a Shrinky Dink of it. Okay, that is brilliant. That is fantastic. The fact that you still have that. Yeah, this is why we're doing a podcast. Yes. We're hoarders. Yes. Just admit it. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we save everything. We save everything. All right, so that rounds out episode five of I Dream of Cameras. Episode five. Thank you for spending this time with us. I feel like we figured it out, Gabe, don't you? I think we're getting there. Okay, good. It's a it's a journey. The journey is the reward. <laughs> it is a journey. We'll have our ups, we'll have our downs. The rewards but it's for all, the cameras you bought. It's all good. And remember, idreamofcameras.com. And we have to thank, who do we have to well, thank the most? Well, we have to thank Come on, Keith Greenstein. We have, yes, we have to thank Keith my brother Keith. really did an amazing, amazing job on our logo. Three and logos. of course, Fred Corey for our, oh, believe, the whole site and the logos are all Keith. Yes. So it's very exciting for us. I ordered a pillow. And we're, oh, I've got to do I that. ordered an I Dream That's of Cameras awesome. pillow with the Aperture oh, Cloud it. logo on it. Oh, I yeah, love so it. go to idreamofcameras.com for all your thank merch you, needs. Thank you, Keith. And thank you, Fred Corey, for oh, our theme music. We love it. I love it. I actually listen to it in the car sometimes just to like put myself I in a good mood. I love that. So, so thank good. you again. And thank you most of all to our friends at the Sunny 16 Podcast for giving us a home yes. and giving two comedy writers something to do on a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> we really, trust me, we really appreciate it. We need the release. Yes. Okay, so write to us. Uh, I am on Instagram, S. Jeff Greenstein on Instagram. Please get to me at, at Gabe Sachs on Instagram. I would love to hear from you all. Yes, and thank you so much. We will see you next time on I Dream of Cameras. Cameras.